as we celebrate the Palm uh, Sunday today, it's a really weird feeling for us to all be at home. Uh, just before I do, I want to give you some tips on uh, on how to use Zoom. If you're using it on a cameras on you can play with that and you can discover that but let's uh, just stay together at this point i was just sharing that i'm finding it a bit challenging to process the fact that we're celebrating palm sunday and uh, we're all at home i was hoping that somehow we would be able to pick up palm leaves palm branches and distribute them to every home but that's a practical impossibility under the circumstances to get things out to anybody and to drop off things at people's doors. So I was processing in my mind, uh, Lord, what is going on? Uh, last week we heard a beautiful word from Rob and he was telling us how to deal with fear. And uh, what is it that uh, causes us to feel that the way that we are feeling? And uh, all of those thoughts have been going through the back of my mind. But I realize that the peace that we get, and I'm not trying to belittle the fear, I'm not trying to belittle the reality of the fear that people are uh, experiencing right now or trying to address that. I think Rob did a great job last week. I'm just trying to address the reality of the season that we're in and uh, the reality of the experiences that are around us as we celebrate within the church calendar the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus, the story of what he did and how he did it. And uh, in that context, Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is our remembrance of Jesus after about three years of ministry coming into the city of Jerusalem and being received by the people of the city with jubilation, with great joy. He came in and uh, people started to rip off branches off their trees and bring them and start waving them and waving them and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Put yourself in their context for a moment. This is a people that had been established in that region for quite some time, maybe about 1,500 years after the Exodus. They walked into the land of what is now Israel and Palestine, and they they stepped into that as a population that came out of Egypt as slaves. They were promised, they were promised through their grandfather Abraham, that this plot of land God had given to them to establish the nation that he calls his own, the nation that he would be the God who lives within them. And now, 1,500 years later, after having a wonderful history of King David and his son Solomon who built the temple, after all of that, the Roman Empire advanced, and before it, two other empires, one after the other, the Babylonian and then the, the Persian and the Mede, and all of that. And then the Roman Empire comes in, and that empire takes over that region And now the people that were supposed to be the people of God are under heavy, heavy oppression. They can't do what they want to do. They can't trade the way they want to trade. They have taxes imposed on them. A lot of them are suffering. And many of them are feeling 
the angst or the pressure of wanting to rip that off and become people that are free again. People that were just as, you know, the history said at the time of David's reign, King David, every under the sun feared David and his son Solomon. When Solomon built that temple in Jerusalem, the glory of God was in that temple. And all the nations under the sun sent gifts because they were afraid of the nation of Israel because of the God that lives in that temple. It would be similar to our history as the church. In North America, when the church was established, the church attendance was always very high. In Toronto, it is said that in the 1900s, in 1901, 99% of the city's population would attend church on Sunday. It wasn't just a cultural thing. It was something that people experienced because of their faith and they wanted to stay connected to the God that was present within the family of the church. Today, it's a little different. Today, it feels that we don't have the right to say certain things. We don't have the ability to, to speak into things. We're praying that all of that change in the sense that the church now becomes a servant and becomes an influencer as opposed to a sideliner. Not because we are precious or we are important, but because we carry the gospel and the message of life and death and salvation and the hope for this world within our being, within us as the Christian believers, the family of Christ. So the people of Israel now are in Jerusalem. They're in Judea. They're in Samaria. They're all over that region. They're at the Sea of Galilee up in the north. That's where Jesus was raised, up near the Sea of Galilee, closer to Lebanon. And now in his ministry, he's traveled all over Jerusalem. And scripture says that he had come, I'm reading from Luke 18. You don't need to go there. I'm going to be telling you the story. But in Luke 18, it's telling us that he has come now and he's walking with his disciples through the little villages that are all around the city of Jerusalem. He comes through Bethany and Bethphage. And then he's coming at the Mount of Olives And the Mount of Olives sits across a valley to the east of the hill that is the city of Jerusalem. So he's looking across the valley and he's crying for the city, the city that is the city of the great king. His heart is moved as to how this city, the city of Jerusalem, has shifted and had been the place where when Solomon built that temple, it was the place where every nation under the sun looked at and was afraid. But now it's trampled. The glory is no longer there. It's looking full of Roman soldiers that are walking the streets of Jerusalem. And he's crying not only for the fact that Jerusalem is overrun by the Romans, but because the people of the city themselves have lost their focus. And the city of Jerusalem at that time had a wall all around it to guard it from attack. And he's looking from the hill opposite, across the valley, to the little mountain, the little hill called Zion. And he's looking at the east gate. And the east gate, if you can imagine, was the gate that opens and closes every day. Every one of the 12 gates of the city would be used as entry points and points of safety and protection. As he's looking across to that, he's imagining all kinds of different things. He's imagining that he had been called by God, he himself being God, 
had been called by his father to come into that city, to bring hope to that city, to bring salvation to that city and all its people. And he's processing all of that. A lot of times when reading the scripture, the city of Jerusalem becomes an example of our being, each one of us. Each one of us has multiple gates. So you have 12 gates. We have multiple gates. We have our eyes, we have our ears, we have our mouth, we have our nose. These are all gates, our sense of touch. These are all gateways into our being. But the city had something very unique. I'm going to show you a picture of that city at this point. I'm just going to share my screen. As you're looking east, from the, we're looking straight north right now. So this on here would be the east gate. That's the east gate. You can go far right. That's the western wall over here. This is the area that today the people of Israel would go and pray at this western wall. This is the wall that is on the cities of Jerusalem's side that is accessible to the Jewish people. These areas are not. The rest of it is not. These are all in the Muslim quarter. This area here is the part that's accessible to the Jewish community. And sometimes they have to access this through the Armenian quarter to be able to get to here. But this is called the Wailing Wall. And today people come to this wall and they pray, bowing and moving their heads and their whole bodies as they are wailing, praying to God to save the people of Israel, to save the nation of Israel. It's a wall of tears. But Jesus was looking from this perspective, from over here, from across the valley, from across the hill. And you see this whole area is now, I don't know if you can see it closely, but if I zoom in maybe a little bit, That area is full of tombs. Those tombs were put there by a Turkish sultan, or excuse me, an Ottoman sultan, because he had understood something from what they were telling him. Let me tell you what that is. This gate here, you see where my, my name is showing up, but this gate right here is called the East Gate. The prophecies in the scripture tell us that Messiah, when he comes, he was going to enter through the East Gate into the city. He's going to enter into the city and he's going to come in through the gates, step up the, the steps of the, alt, uh, the, the temple and come into what was the temple at the time but is now not here. The temple has been dismantled. The temple has fallen apart in the year 70 AD. But what exists right now is the Dome of the Rock. And this is a very precious, holy thing for the people of the faith of Islam. It has taken the place of what used to be the temple of Solomon and the temple of Herod. So Jesus at the time came in through all of this and he came in and he wasn't looking at the gold dome. There was no gold dome. What he would have seen is the, the temple itself. He's looking across 
and the temple is showing us a totally different thing than what we are seeing today. What Jesus saw was a huge, massive building made of stone. And this temple had different parts to it. You couldn't just enter into the temple. You had to come through as a citizen of Israel. And if you were not a, if you were a Gentile and not a Jew, you couldn't even enter certain places. But every Jewish person would have to first come to this temple by coming and bringing a sacrifice to the altar. The priests would lay hands on it and they would, in a prayer, as it were, do a legal transaction where the sins of the person who's bringing the sacrifice would be transmitted to this animal that was now going to pass away, be killed. And as they were doing that, then they would take the animal slaughter the animal, the blood would be shed, and then the animal would be brought to the altar and burnt. Parts of it would be kept so that the priests would eat, parts of it would be burnt as an offering to God. And Jesus was watching all of this as it was happening. And as they were coming, the people would watch all of that and they would see all of that. So what happened on that time that we now are remembering today, Palm Sunday? Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he comes in through the East Gate and everybody's excited because they have heard that this guy is doing miracles, this guy is doing amazing things and they're watching what's going on and they're excited. That was Palm Sunday. And then within that week, the people of Israel were going to be celebrating the Passover. Today we're celebrating Palm Sunday. We don't have palms. We don't have palm branches. But we have a temple. We have a temple in our hearts. And the temple itself was made up of multiple parts. This temple had an outer court that was open to everybody. It had a place called the holies and between there was the altar and as people were coming into it they would come in and they would watch and they would see and it would look phenomenal inside the holies there's an even smaller place called the holies of holies and this has been a model that God had given of the temple that exists in heaven it says but it's also a model of our being. I said that we have the 12 gates within our being, but we also have the outer court that is open to everybody. Everybody can see our physical appearance. Everybody can touch us. They can feel our arms and, and so on. But then there's an inner part. And that inner part, not everybody has access to. Our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, we open and close that door to allow people to enter into that. Sometimes the things that are from the outer court that are not supposed to enter into this inner part, we allow them in. Thoughts that shape us differently. Nothing is allowed in until it goes through the altar. But a lot of times we allow it in. A lot of times we allow different thoughts to come in. When the things of the outer court enter into that place of holy, the inside of us, 
they can defile it. A lot of times we allow feelings of what we observe in the outside, the outer court, to affect how we feel on the inside. And then there's that very holy place, that place that is the holy of holies, it's called. That place was limited strictly to the high priest to go in once a year and to visit with God and to pray with God and to interact with God on behalf of all the people of Israel. So I want to encourage you as we are celebrating Palm Sunday in our own homes. What has entered in from the things that are on the outside of you that has entered in to your heart, to your inner court? What has now allowed the different thoughts, the different ideas, the different ways of thinking to penetrate the inside of us, the inside of how we feel, how we think, how we interact with others, how we express ourselves to to outside thoughts? How has your temple been affected? With all the media and everything else that we're hearing, have we become defiled in having lost the peace that we need to have? I know it's difficult times. I know it's challenging. I know there's a lot of unknowns. But in the midst of it, we know that he's made promises to us. And I don't want to belittle the circumstances. This is a very unique time that we're going through, all of us. A lot of questions of a lot of unknowns. Am I going to catch the virus? Am I going to get affected? Am I going to lose a close friend, a close relative, myself? All of those questions. But in the midst of all of that, God has always spoken to us that I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will be with you until the end of this age. That's the promise of Jesus. That exists now within our holy of holies, within our heart. His word is to be placed within our heart. In the midst of that, the noise is all around us. The pollution, the ideas, the fears, the thoughts. All of that is all around us. But it can't enter in until it comes through the altar. We have to allow those things to be filtered through the altar. And you know what that altar is. That altar is the cross of Jesus. He has died on the cross as the sacrifice lamb. That's what we're going to be celebrating this Wednesday. This is the Passover. Tuesday, there's a global gathering online where we're coming together, Gentile believers, Messianic Jewish believers were coming together to look back at that celebration that Jesus prepared for in the city of Jerusalem on that day of Passover. He had assembled his disciples and told them to prepare a place and they were going to be coming together to celebrate the Passover. And the celebration of the Passover is a look back to what God did when he brought Israel out of Egypt almost 1,500 years before that time. But it's today a look also forward we look back to the deliverance of God in the pe- with the people of Israel. We look to the moment that Jesus died on the cross, but we also look forward because there's something else. The Passover in itself, when Jesus entered into the uh, city of Jerusalem, he was coming in as the sacrifice lamb that was going to be prepared to die for his people, to die for all of humanity on the altar. 
as the lamb that was going to die for all of humanity. The death of Jesus is central and, and fixed in the history of all of creation. That the God of all creation came on to earth, took upon himself a physical body, sac- was sacrificed and was killed and died on the cross. And then three days later, he was raised from the dead. But there's something else. Just like in the Passover, the 14th day of the year is when they celebrate or the, of the first month of the year, month of Nisan, which is the month that we are into right now. That was the time that they celebrated the death of that animal and they put the blood on the doorposts and the angel of death passed through Egypt and the people of Israel, each one of them was in his own home. And the, the angel of death passed through. That's why it's called the Passover. He passed through the whole city, but where the blood was applied to the houses, the doorposts, that angel could not touch the people that were in that house. So just to give you some context, since that time, 3,500 years ago almost, as a people, as a family of a nation called Israel, Every time that Passover would happen since that time, the families of Israel would get together, the extended families, and they would have a celebration. The grandparents would assemble the children and the grandchildren. Sometimes an uncle and and another family member, they would come. It would never be something that you do alone at home. It was always something that you invite family and friends to. Sometimes they would invite Gentiles, non-Jewish people, to come to celebrate the Passover Seder together. We, Silva and I, have been invited to a number of them. It's nothing that they've ever done alone since that time. Everyone had to be in their own home back then. And the angel of death came and passed through. Every person was to buy their own animal. And they would have the animal slaughtered. They would eat the animal for a number of days. And then they would put the blood on the doorposts. This time, this Passover is unique since 3,500 years ago. It is the only time, and I say this, and you're probably questioning and saying, are you serious? This is the only time? Yeah, because it was always a grand celebration. Because Israel would always look at that. The Passover Seder would be central. They have books written on it that everybody would buy and everybody would print. And it was called the Haggadah, which is the order of the meal. And they would sit around the table and the youngest one would ask the grandpa, the oldest person, the father in the house, what is so special about tonight? And then they would explain, well, tonight is very special because we're remembering what God did when we were slaves in Egypt and he brought us out. But this time, in Jerusalem, in Israel, this time, every Jewish family is alone in their own home because of the restrictions, because of the coronavirus and the COVID-19 isolation that we're all under. Every person is in their home. And it's as though every person now has to come to bring their own lamb. Whatever that lamb is. We understand that lamb to be the person of Jesus. We understand from scripture, from prophecy, and from the fulfillment of the life of Jesus, that that lamb is Jesus himself, the Christ, the Messiah. And he has come. And now each one of us in our own home, we have the opportunity to do what they did at the time of the Passover and the Exodus when they were slaves in Egypt. We have an opportunity to bring him 
and to receive the sacrifice that he has died once for all history. And we bring him into that place. We apply his blood to our doorposts of our heart as individuals and as families because there's an exodus that's coming. When they came out of Egypt, they came out of their slavery. They were still slaves at the Passover. But on the exodus time, when they came out of Egypt, they became free. I believe that today there's an exodus that's coming. That the Lord wants to bring an exodus in our hearts. That our hearts are separated from all the things of this world. That our hearts are no longer polluted by the outside stuff that's in the outer court. No longer will we be afraid of the world's circumstances. No longer will we be affected by the ideas of all kinds of different thoughts that take away our focus and our eyes from seeing Jesus as the King of Kings in our lives. There's an exodus that is coming that is going to separate us. And I believe it is now that he is going to separate us from all the things that entangle us and keeping or keep us from having the walk that we need to have where he is king and we are his subjects, where he is the bridegroom and we are the bride, individually, as a family, and together as a corporate body of Christ. I believe that this Passover is going to be a different thing for the existence of the church in the, in the world, that the Lord is going to shift things and the role of the church is going to be different. There's a Passover that is now. He has come into the city of Jerusalem. We have received him into our hearts, but we have to now install him as king in our lives. Because there's an exodus that's coming. He is taking us out from the things of this world. I'm not saying I'm talking about the rapture and all of this stuff. I'm not. I'm saying that there is an exodus that is coming for our hearts. There's a separation. Separation from the cares of this world. You know, the scripture says in Revelation, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and by not loving their lives even unto death. The first church lived that way. They were saved by the blood of the Lamb, the Christ, the Messiah. They were separated. They, you know, the word of their testimony was so powerful. When they spoke something, someone was healed. When they spoke something, miracles would happen because of the word of their testimony. They testified of the person of Jesus and who he is and what he's able to do. And that's where we have come to. For too long, we had become without a word of testimony. But there's an exodus that's coming to bring the bride to be who she is supposed to be, the light of this world, the salt of the earth, the hands and the feet of Jesus. And we may face persecution in the process but we did not love our lives to the end. We will stand as the bride ready to move into all the areas. So I want to encourage you in this Passover. What is the Lord speaking to you about how you separate your heart from the things of this world? How you separate yourself? How you apply the blood of the lamb on the doorposts? There is an exodus coming. Let's be ready for it. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's come into that alignment. Let's join with our other brothers and sisters on Tuesday morning. There's going to be an amazing time at 3 o'clock Israel time this coming Tuesday before we enter into the Passover celebrations. The global family of God, Israeli, Messianic believers, non-Jewish believers in Israel, along with all the Christians across the world. Last time we had a gathering, we had 120,000 devices connect. 120,000 devices across the globe, and it's only been growing. 
we had with us Treon and, and uh, Bill Johnson and, uh, and uh, John Arnott and Heidi Baker and Randy Clark and uh, Jordan Banoff, and they all came together with Lou Engel and Mike Bickle. They all came together to stand along with David, Damien, and, and, and the rest of our team, and we prepared a place for the Lord to come and to, to dwell in his church. And that number is growing. There's many others that are joining in. So this Tuesday, I invite you to go visit watchmen.org. That's watchmen, watch, W-A-T-C-H, men, M-E-N, dot O-R-G. We'll put these things on the, the chats. But let's link up on Tuesday and come to that place where we celebrate the Passover. As Jews, as Gentiles, believers in Jesus Christ, looking back to the Exodus, looking to the crucifixion of Jesus, and looking forward to what is coming. I encourage you, let's align our hearts and let's come together. It will be at 8 o'clock Toronto time, early morning. It's 3 o'clock Jerusalem time, and that time was picked because that was the time that on the cross, Jesus breathed his last words and said, it is finished, and I, through your hands I surrender my, my, my spirit, and he died. 3 o'clock in the afternoon Jerusalem time, April 7th. And that's going to be surrounded by 72 hours of worship. It starts at midnight Jerusalem time, so it's nine hours before that, and it continues for 72 hours. Aaron is going to be taking part of that, many other worship teams, and it's going to be 24 different worship groups over the span of 72 hours. You don't have to watch all of it, of course. You have to get some rest and, and do whatever you're doing. But in that period, we're going to be coming with a perfume from the different nations. We're going to be lifting that up to the Lord. You know, at the altar, it was the perfume of the sacrifice that went up to the nostrils of of God. It was the sacrifice's aroma of the beautiful smell of that barbecue that was going on. But we want a different barbecue. We want a barbecue of our hearts. We want to bring an aroma of our hearts as being, Lord, we will submit to you. We will not love our lives to the end. We want to be pure before you. We want to receive the blood of the Lamb over our lives. We want to align our hearts with you and with one another. And we want to align with your purposes for this day to be the church that is the salt and the light and the solution for all the, the world's needs. And God will give creative ideas. We've been talking about this forever now. That God will give us solutions and creative ideas to meet the needs of everyone that's around us. And that's the reputation in the history of the church. The church was the one that started the hospitals. The church was the one that started schools and universities. The church was the one that would step into situations where there were huge needs in the time of the plagues. They would step into people's lives, touch the leper and not be sick. Touch the people with the plague and not die and bring healing to them. Yesterday we had a call with the Revival Alliance. We were getting reports back that in France, somebody watching who had COVID-19 was totally healed and now is back to health and strength. Yesterday, during the same time, there was a declaration made that this is the time where Israel will have their eyes unveiled. And someone called in, they were in a meeting with a bunch of Jewish non-Christians, Jewish friends. And in the midst of the conversation, each of them saw that Jesus was the Messiah of Israel, and they came to know Jesus. My encouragement to you as we come into this time, let's allow our eyes to be open to the reality of who he is. He has come into Jerusalem. He has come into my life's Jerusalem. Let me let him into the Holy of Holies. He's already died as the lamb on my altar. Each one of us. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive today. 
and that you are the sacrifice lamb who was slain and who has been raised from the dead, who sits at the right hand of the Father, who is glorious, who reigns high and supreme. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your son who has come and died for us. And we thank you for his promises that he would never leave us or forsake us. We receive him afresh into our hearts. We open the doors and the gates of our lives and we say, Jesus, come in. Come in with your whole being. We don't want to leave any areas in our lives that you don't have access to. We open even that holy place, the holy place of the way we think, the way we feel. And then we even open up that holy of holies, that very intimate, intimate part that was just created for God to dwell in. And we invite you into every other part of our body, our mind, our soul, our being. Come and reign. Come and be king. Amen.